Deal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 24. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 24 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. Today we're speaking with attorney Aaron Gilsbach. Aaron is the executive director of Ed Law Interactive and an experienced speaker and author at the state and national levels on matters regarding school law. You might remember Aaron from previous podcasts where she talked about audio video recording and other special education issues. Today, Erin uh, is talking with us about her recently published book through LPR, called Student Health Services Under IDEA and Section 504, Legal Principles, Compliance Issues, and Practical Solutions. So welcome back to the podcast, Erin. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. We always enjoy having a conversation with you and learn so many sort of legal insights. So uh, let's get our conversation started today with a personal story about how you became connected to this topic of legal issues around student health services under IDEA and Section 504. So this is a topic that kind of evolved over time. I had, uh, you know, as you know, I've been working with uh, school districts for many, many years. And one of the training types of issues that, that kept coming up is training for school nurses and training about the school nursing experience for, for administrators. So. Over the years, that has been something that, that I recognized as being missing from uh, the general compendium of, of training resources and information. And the information that's out there tends to be a little bit dated because as you know, the law changes so quickly, it's hard to keep up with it. So what I have been doing over the past you know, 15 years or so is, is kind of honing in on some of the biggest uh, school law issues for school nurses and for school administrators regarding students who have health-related needs. And, uh, you know, when LRP approached me um, about a year and a half ago, to maybe two years ago now, um, to, to write a book, I said, sure, you know, I think that's great. There are some legal resources out there, but nothing that's really inexpensive and nothing that's really targeted. So when I did that, I didn't realize what a commitment writing a book would be. So it took a little longer than I wanted to, to actually draft the book. Um, but essentially I, I put in there everything that I've been trying to convey to my schools, to my school nurses. Um, and so that's sort of how it evolved. Uh, it has been an ongoing process and I'm going to be, I think I'm, I'm going to be trying to keep up with it, keep updating it as necessary, but but it's just a resource that I felt really was needed. And I was really happy with LRP to that they gave me the opportunity to, to really, you know, take it take it by the reins and and put whatever I thought was needed in there. So So it sounds like the audience is your school nurses and your school administrators. So let's dig into the book a little bit. What are some of the big ideas? What are some of the takeaways that you want um, readers to to get who are accessing the resource? So it really, I divided it by, and the big ideas I divided by chapters. Um, You know, I covered disability rights and and the legal rights that students with uh, medical needs have. So I think that's an important thing to get across. Um, legally responsible and legally defensible accommodations for students with medical needs. Uh, that's something that I cover. Student data privacy. Uh, I, I spend 
a lot of time talking about some of the nurse practice issues, both from the nursing angle as well as from the administration angle, because it, nursing law is a very different animal than typical school law because nurses operate under a completely separate school licensure. So when nurses practice, they are responsible to their board of nursing from their state, as well as to their employer who typically is not a medical provider. So mm -hmm. the school nurses have kind of an unusual role. They're usually, you know, they're one of a very small group of nurses that are not actually under the employee of a medical healthcare provider. So the, the employers, the school administrators, have a lot to learn about what it is that they have with regards to their obligations uh, for licensure and for for their their nurse practice in general. So I talk a lot about that. Um, I talk a little bit about you know technology and nursing things like that. And then I also uh, devoted a chapter to students with mental health needs because that's sort of an up and coming area in the law. I know that it's also a a, a significant focus in education practice generally, but we're seeing a lot more litigation on that as well. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time on that. And then I, I you know, in the last chapter, I spend some time just looking over, um, you know, different disabilities, you know, breaking it down, not necessarily by topic, but by disability. What do we need to think about for kids with diabetes? What about asthma? What about severe allergies? So breaking it down in, in that way and, and, focusing disability by disability on what types of things folks need to be thinking about. So it sounds like it's a pretty comprehensive resource that can really support our school leaders and our school nurses as they work together to make some of these decisions with these sort of varying and um, competing supervision models that you're mentioning. Yeah, so it's, you know, I think, again, there isn't a whole lot out there. Mm -hmm. So it is helpful to have something all in one place. That's that, that was the trouble. I couldn't find anything that really I could recommend to readers that was all in one place, that was up to date, and that was, you know, at least relatively reasonable for, for a school to purchase. Mm -hmm. So a resource that really fills, filling a gap as what we have at, yeah. the, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So certainly the time that I've been in administration, it seems like the nurse's role has really evolved and changed. So through your legal lens, how would you say that the nurse school nurse role has evolved in regards to these health-related needs and developing appropriate plans and the sort of legal issues that surround that? Yeah, so the, the school nurse role really has been evolving. Um, schools are getting much, much better at providing a really comprehensive set of nursing services. Uh, and I think that in, in, to some degree that is in response to the law a little bit because um, there are obligations uh, with regards to, you know, the, the book mentions Section 504 and IDEA. We certainly cover a lot more laws than that, but those are the two laws that really establish the rights of students with medical needs. And, and so we have been seeing a lot more litigation, but schools have been providing a lot more services. Schools have become uh, much more adept at adapting and, and allowing those students to receive services and still remain within the educational program. So I think that, you know, I, I think back to, um, you know, my experience when I was in school and, you know, I had a lot of uh, medical needs and things like that. 
and you know just the, the difference between the the expectations and the basic understanding of you know what we could provide versus okay you have medical needs so here's a homebound script you know we'll we'll pick up where we left off uh, you know, once you're free and clear of any medical issues that, you know, then mm. you can come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, schools are much, much more evolved now. They they really know how to how to adapt and how to provide those services in school. Um, I did, last spring, I did a, a uh, session for the National School Boards Association's uh, Council of School Attorneys, where I did an analysis of school nurses across the nation and really looked at, you know, what, what what types of services, how many nurses, what nurse to uh, student ratio is there out there? Um, there's certainly a lot of states that are still way behind the curve. Um, certainly the New England states and the Eastern, uh, Eastern U.S. in general has, tends to have a, a much higher uh, uh, or lower, I guess, nurse to student ratio than, than some of the uh, maybe Midwestern states and even some of the Western states. But uh, at the same time, I think that that ratio, the, the gap is closing a little bit. Um, states, as you may know, states aren't necessarily keeping up, I think, with legislation mandating nurse-to-student ratios. Many states have a ratio, but here in Pennsylvania, I think the ratio is 1 to 1,500 students. That's the, the, the mandated nurse-to-student ratio, and, and it's not... You know, that's certainly not anything that we would be able to, you know, to use that bare minimum and, and still provide all the services that, that students need. So even without, you know, even without a, a mandated legal nurse to student ratio, um, or even with, with really high numbers of students per nurse that are mandated by law, schools are, I find, just stepping up to the plate. The schools are realizing, look, we need more nurses and when they have you know when they become uh when they when they come to such a place that they can have a nursing department that's when those school nurses can then interact with each other and really create a unified system even with you know within the school system itself so you know and not all schools are there yet but i think we're getting there so what do you think is one of the um most significant challenges for school nurses in this work so school nurses have a, there are a number of them, but I think one of the biggest challenges that they have is, again, that idea that they are, they're kind of serving two masters. Mm-hmm. They're, they're employed by a school district, but they also have um, their own medical code. They have their own um, confidentiality requirements for through their licensure. Their licensure poses a lot of um, different things that are not always necessarily recognized by by their employer schools, and so they they tend to to struggle with that. Um, the other the other thing that I find that um, you know that I've really been working to to help with over the years is that school nurses don't get a lot of dedicated school law training. Uh, all nurses come out of nursing school understanding HIPAA and the privacy rights that attach to that. Um, school nurses are one of the very few medical providers. I think they're the only medical providers that I'm aware of um, that do not operate under HIPAA as a privacy rule per se. Um, they operate primarily under FERPA. There mm-hmm. are some some exceptions to that, but 
um, you know, it's, but when the nurses training and their professional development and their, and their background training is all in, you know, a, a dedicated focus to a specific set of laws like HIPAA, and then they hit the ground running in a school system where there's a new, you know, there's kind of a new animal uh, and there's a new legal obligation. And I don't know that there's anybody that's really, you know, there's there's really not a lot for them to go back on with regards to training uh, and they have to kind of figure it out on their own. So that's another reason why I wanted to, you know, to kind of put some of this in writing because those some of those issues that you know separate the school nurse from the the, the typical nursing uh, categories uh, are are some of the big issues that schools face. And if a school nurse isn't familiar with the confidentiality requirements of FERPA um, or the state confidentiality requirements, especially the you know the confidentiality requirements or the the exceptions that would allow them to share information with the school uh, administrators, with the teachers. Mm -hmm. That's an integral part of, of school law that I think a lot of administrators and educators kind of take for granted. But the school nurses often enter the system not even maybe recognizing that it applies to them or how it applies to them. And so it, it does cause a lot of anxiety. Uh, school nurses tend to be very, very detail-oriented anyway, uh, just by nature of who they are and what they do. So to to have that kind of ambiguity is very stressful, um, and it and it can cause some clashes with administration. Mm -hmm. So it is important that both the administration and the school nurses recognize those you know some of the differences and some of the areas where they're really going to have to work with each other because you know if the nurse does the wrong thing in in her in her under her licensure she could lose her licensure, mm -hmm. and that is something that would affect her long term. It's also something that could uh, have an, an impact on the health of a child. And so they're, you know, they're big issues. They're, they're kind of, you know, pretty intense, big issues uh, from a school perspective. And so it is, it is important for to have that information out yeah, that's a, a really insightful piece of information, this idea that HIPAA and FERPA are sort of at, at odds with each other in the school nurses' training and life. And, you know, it makes it even more important for school leaders to help nurses understand the rights and um, affordances under FERPA and protections. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it really, if, if you have a good school administrator who has that knowledge, or at least who has enough of the knowledge to know that, hey, we need to get our nurses some training. Um, you know, I dedicate a whole chapter of the book to that to that concept and have a lot of, um, you know, of scenarios in there because it's so common for, you know, for them to kind of be, be at odds because maybe the administrator isn't familiar with it or the nurse is not, you know, the nurse doesn't, doesn't recognize the, the legal differences and the administrator doesn't recognize that there's a there, there that there is a fundamental mm -hmm. you know difference that they're uh, you know that they're even operating right. under different. We have to so respect it, it on both sides. Yeah. So the the school nurse role is becoming increasingly more complex, but one thing that we're noticing on our end is that the pool of candidates is becoming narrower, narrower, and narrower. Um, so not as many nurses want to become school nurses. So that's become a challenge on the administrative side to, to actually fill those with strong, capable people. 
uh, to carry out these important services. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the, again, the, the training and the helping them feel comfortable in their role is going to go a long way to do that because it can be really stressful to, um, you know, to, to kind of kind of not kind of they're, they're kind of isolated in the school setting. So from an administrative standpoint, um, you know, administrators can certainly make that school nurse role that's really challenging a lot easier by under, you know by by understanding and offering support and those types of things because we are seeing that it's it's a, it is very tempting for nurses school nurses who are who are qualified to to do a host of nursing jobs um, to go into even you know the the hospital setting or the private sector and the medical because then they are returning to somebody who understands them and who knows them so I think from an administration standpoint, it's important for administrators to really recognize that to keep their school nurses and to make it something that, um, you know, that qualified candidates are going to want to do, they need to establish that, uh, you know, sort of culture of this is a place where you'll be supported, where you'll get what you need, whether it's training or whether it's, you know, us going to, you know, going to bat for you. Um, in different areas that, that they will feel supported because with all the stress, you know, that, that's already there in that field that is, you know, again, kind of isolating because they're the only medical providers there. Um, it, it, it can be, a lot of that stress can be relieved uh, or at least helped by having a, a, an understanding administrator. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that insight. It certainly um, makes a good case for why we need to pick up this book and share it with our school leaders and our and our nursing departments so that we can, you know, have some richer conversation. So before we invite you to share what's next for you, Erin, are you ready for our lightning response questions? I am. All right. So who's one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about student health services and the law? So I don't know um, that there's a specific single expert. I know that I, um, uh, you know, use the resources from the National School, uh, National Association of School Nurses, NASN. Um, they have a lot of good resources that that try to make some of those connections. Um, and you know, I certainly have a lot of information on my website, you know, that that tries to make those connections. But I'm hoping that as we get information about the topic out there we're going to start seeing more and more people who are able to provide some of this really detailed information. All right. Thank you. And if you were recommending another book to our listeners or resource, what um, might that I be? I was uh, involved a couple of years ago. The um, There's a website called schoolnurse.com uh, and they have a very comprehensive resource uh, called Legal Resource for School Health Services. Um, I have a couple of chapters in that book uh, that I did. Uh, my husband, Tim Gilsbach, uh, who's also an attorney, has a couple of chapters that he did for that book. Um, but it, that book also has some resources that were written by school nurses specifically. Um, so that so that resource is, is out there. And I think you just go to schoolnurse.com um, to, to find that. And it's a, it's a very, very comprehensive uh, resource that's, that's available. So. All right. And last question, if there's an online site or resource or other person 
um, from whom you learn regularly around this topic or any topic? So that my my go-to sites are always the National Association for School Nurses. Um, I I look at a lot of the different state uh, school nursing associations that will often have interesting uh, topical issues. And then I find that the state Department of Health and or Department of Education websites, um, you know, unfortunately there's no like single place mm-hmm. that, that, that you can go to get everything, but, um, you know, going directly to the source with some of the state uh, licensure websites and things like that, where, um, you know, you can certainly find a lot of information regarding what the, what the states and what the State Board of Nursing are saying about different topics. So those are the those are the places that that I go, um, and then also the um, U.S. Department of Education's website uh, has a lot of information. In fact, they have a a joint guidance document with the U.S. Department of Health um, called uh, I forget what it's called, but if you Google HIPAA FERPA, you will find it. It'll come up in one of the three, um, and that is a document that I usually give to my school nurses. It, it, it calms them down a little bit and lets them know that what I'm saying to them is not, you know, it's not, you know, it really is, uh, you know, rooted in, uh, in law, but also in federal, uh, you know, federal guidance. So that guidance document is, is immeasurably helpful to the school nurses. So. All right. We'll take a look. Right. Thank you. So, Aaron, we know you've been busy with uh, your own practice and your own publishing and and uh, offering professional development for school administrators around school law. What sorts of things are you working on now that you'd like to share with our listeners? So, I'm doing a lot of work. Well, I, I, I you, know, you know, I never get, uh, I never stop to get bored. So, I've got a <laughs> lot of different things on my plate. But um, I'm working, doing a lot of work right now on um, technology. Uh, on things like ransomware and cyber attacks and what schools need to do to prepare for that. I just spoke with the New York uh, State Board of uh, School Directors and they um, you know, are focusing on that too. So I'm focusing on that a little bit. I'm still doing a lot of training and national seminars uh, and here, seminars here in Pennsylvania on uh, a whole bunch of different topics, just trying to bridge the gap between the school community and the law. And so that's, you know, kind of what I'm working on. I don't know that I'll be doing another book anytime soon because that took a really long time. <laughs> I bet. But we'll see. <laughs> I bet. Well, sounds like some interesting topics, and you're always welcome to come back in the future, maybe in the spring sometime, to talk about um, some of that other work that you're doing around technology and those other topics that you shared. Yeah, sounds great. I'd love to. I always like to talk to you guys. You always, uh, you know, kind of have the the insight about what's what's going on in the education arena. So, great. Well, thanks so much, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us, Aaron. To learn more about Aaron's work, you'll be able to visit some of the links in the show notes, previous uh, recordings, and a link to Aaron's book and website that she mentioned as well. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how might you use this resource uh, to better understand how to meet learners' health needs through 504s and IEPs? If you've enjoyed this conversation, would like to comment or check out the resources, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 6, Episode 24. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Erin. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.